I'm talking today with Mark Feldshu and Max Mito from Strongroom AI. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to have you both here today, and I'm really excited about our chat today because you're dealing on a level of pharmacy technology that I don't think I've spoken about so far. Um, I'm certainly very interested in AI, um, and on that note, we'll start with, let's uh, let the two of you gentlemen tell us a bit about yourself. So, Mark, um, who is Mark Feltshu? Uh, thanks, Scott. Uh, as you know, my name is Mark Feltshu. Uh, I have been a community pharmacist for many, many years. I uh, owned and operated two pharmacies in Melbourne and for, for one of them 33 years I think it was which was pretty amazing and I really like the idea of systems in the pharmacy and um, it just got me that uh, that was a way to operate and uh, obviously I like things like McDonald's and all of those and I got pretty good at systems and I could tell what was going wrong with different things and uh, I obviously did my best to make sure the customer experience was as good as possible and very professional if possible. Uh, as I said, I did that for 33 years. Uh, I did sort of new things like compounding at the time, which is probably now about 20 years ago. And uh, at that time, I could see that there were a few problems uh, with consistency of compounding. So I made sure that my pharmacy, it was only one that was doing it, was as good as I could do it. And uh, compounding really made me an in a systems approach. Uh, I then helped, uh, I joined PSA many years previously. I, I was on the Victorian State Council for quite a few years. And uh, I chaired the education committee for 10 years, actually. Anyway, I got, as I said, I got good with compounding and in particular the systems. And then eventually uh, with PSA, uh, I helped actually make sure professional practice standards were as good as possible. And I chaired the committee that actually did the professional practice standards for compounding. And then I was on uh, TGA committee, working committee on compounding, and uh, then a few other things like that. Uh, I basically thought I was retiring, uh, it was over 10 years ago now, and I, I became president of PSA in Victoria, which was a great honour, and I thought that was a really good way of uh, retiring from the profession. Yep. What that actually let me do was I could go and visit anyone I wanted to with advocacy, and I really, really enjoyed that. And it got me into a lot of other ancillary fields, and uh, I really loved IT and all of those sort of things, and I could never see how we could actually really use or utilise some of the IT things. Anyway, at one stage, there was a uh, 2019, and someone actually asked me to look at this particular company. They couldn't make head or tail of it. So um, I, I had a brief of what, it, what was involved, and it had facial recognition. And famously, I said, this is a solution looking for a problem in pharmacy. Yep. I, could, I just couldn't see how we could use it reputably in a pharmacy 
with privacy issues, etc. So I was wearing a, a particular filter that that I thought this was not going to be good. Anyway, uh, luckily uh, I met Max and he explained what it was doing and I actually saw that it was entirely different than what I thought. So all of a sudden my view of the particular company and the particular projects they're involved with entirely different. I'll let Max explain that part of it in a minute, but I came in as a practicing pharmacist and with certain filters, which happen to be uh, quite important for the business. Yeah, that's great. And and certainly 33 years in pharmacy around Melbourne, uh, you would be relatively well known, I would imagine. And with the PSA here in Victoria, you'd be relatively well known. Some of our listeners across the other states may not have heard you essentially, but uh, uh, for anyone interested, Mark's got a great um, history on, on LinkedIn, which will include the link for that as well to, to go and have a look at. And I'm sure, Mark, I could say that if uh, someone <clears throat> wanted to reach out to you, you'd be more than happy to connect and have a chat with them. Certainly. For sure. So on that note, uh, Max, uh, you're a, a much younger version of both of us, and, and not that there's anything wrong with grey hairs these days, but, uh, you know, who is Max Mito? Yeah, so um, thanks, Scott. So, yeah, unfortunately, my, my career is a is, uh, little less experienced within the pharmacy space, but, um, uh, yeah, really came from Strongroom. Uh, well, uh, the idea for Strongroom, I should say, from my international background. So, um, as you can hear, my, my accent's a bit of a mutt. So yeah. I was born in Japan, <laughs> yep. uh, grew up in Hong Kong. And actually, it's funny that we're now in COVID because while I was living in Hong Kong, um, we were uh, we were hit by SARS, went back to the UK for a very short time, went back mm -hmm. to Hong Kong after that, and then uh, finished up school in Japan where um, I started my first company. wasn't um, anything to do with technology. It's actually something I started when I was 16 and sort of snowballed, but exited mm -hmm. out of that business, came to Australia for university, and then um, started Strongroom. But um, uh, yeah, the idea of Strongroom has really been with me uh, from that international um, upbringing where, mm -hmm. you know, we I had to see my parents uh, collate our medical records, our vaccination records, and just knew that there was some sort of gap there. And so um, I teamed up with two of my two of my friends. One, Chris Dure, he's our chief innovation officer and a childhood friend of mine. Yep. So we initially started things off, and we're soon joined by my other co-founder, Kieran Start, who's our chief technology officer, and he's a university friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so we we came in with a perspective of wanting to deploy facial recognition and matching people with their medical records. But the first project that we undertook was just too significant in scope and we found that most importantly the landscape across um the medical it ecosystem just wasn't quite ready for it at the time and one of the modules that we were really looking at was around how controlled drugs and drug management was being done and we felt like there was a lot of room for improvement so we teamed up with a few pharmacists initially up in geelong in victoria and um, yeah, and then at that point, we looked at it and found that, yeah, we're going to start Strongroom. And so, um, yeah, so that's really my background. And um, yeah, yeah. Um, and by the way, my, my, my background's in economics and history at University of Melbourne. So, you know, I think we'll talk about this later on in the podcast, but I think it brings us a bit of a different perspective um, to the medical industry. 
So, gents, thanks for that introduction to both of you. There's a great um, breadth of experience there in, in these two fields, and I think it ties nicely back into pharmacy. And, and I was certainly interested um, following my podcast recording or episode with um, Zamil Solanke that we did a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> which, which led to this today because I know um, Zamil's become involved in this as well, but I saw on one of your um, notes, research notes that um, you've got over 900 Australian pharmacies now using your platform. Is that correct? Um, so currently we've, we're, we've deployed in pretty close to about four, 500, and yep. we're going to be, we're, we're expected to be in about 900 to a thousand pharmacies by the end of this year. This year. Got it. Okay. And so for anyone listening today, what's the, the, the basis of this platform? What does it do for a community pharmacy? Um, so at the moment, it's an end-to-end process. Uh, so it looks after the patient from the patient identification all the way to um, the claiming aspect of it, depending upon what module you're using. But from a more of a macro point of view, it's consolidated traditionally um, independent software solutions. So if we look at, for example, the stage supply workflow, and if it was a Schedule Eight medication, if you weren't using Strongroom, at the moment, then you would have to be purchasing a separate drug register system, mm-hmm. different medication adherence system, and you'd still be tracking a lot of the transactions on paper. So as you can see, there's three different systems in place and three separate areas from which you record your data. Yes. Now, what Strongroom does is if a patient opts into the process is identify the patient on stage supply. Um, and at that point, you supply the medication and you can record any sort of adherence digitally through our system. And then at the end of each month, it works out all the, um, all the mental arithmetic around what you can claim for the services that you provide. And um, so, yeah, this is, as you can see, there's quite a bit of automation involved as well as um, a lot less data inputting as well. Yeah, and, and I'll come back in a second, but uh, Mark, I might just come to you on that point then as well. So from a pharmacist's point of view, what does that mean inside of pharmacy? Can you give us an example of how this would work or with a patient or a client that this would work? Yeah, the, I, I didn't add that I, I do sort of work uh, via the pharmacy board with pharmacists that might have conditions on their practice. So it's yes. very rigorous type of procedure and each time it has to be approved by the pharmacy board uh, if it is yeah um, the what happens is i have been able to, and probably about at least 50 percent of those times it involves drug of addiction issues and okay. what i mean is the actual recording or uh, the um just the whole process of drug of addiction anything and so I've seen it from the other side, and sometimes I wish I could tell the particular pharmacist about this product, but it's it's usually too late, and it's it's yeah. unprofessional to yes. bring in any yeah. product information. The bottom line is that this actually, for a start, makes a whole process recording very rigorous. Yeah, and in particular, if anything does go wrong. The audit is just so much better than anything else. So you've got the audit with straight digital files. But the other advantage where it's way ahead of anyone else at the moment is there's a facial recognition add-on that you can put in and for things like for the methadone mm-hmm. dispensing for ORT. And there you can, uh, with approval, which is basically 100%, 
you can actually make sure it's the right patient uh, that you're administering to. So uh, it, it makes that whole process much easier. And the audit is if something does go wrong, if, if a patient says they didn't get it or someone else come in or whatever, you can audit and double check that, which is very powerful. Powerful. So, yeah, so unlike a, a system that I might have been used to from, you know, say 10 to 15 years ago, <clears throat> this is the, the methadone clients walked into the pharmacy, uh, walked up to a camera. Um, Max, is that that's right? Uh, and yeah. and they're, they're on a database with a, with a matching picture, a bit, bit like we might see on some of the American uh, uh, president-type movies. Um, <clears throat> you know, you, you, you don't go any further unless the computer tells you that this, is, this face matches the database. Um, the pharmacist, no doubt, still dispenses the methadone. I'm, I'm... Yeah, yeah. Just go back one, though. I, yeah. I would, the analogy for me be more like your, your phone. Okay. Just hooking into the phone. Yes, That's okay. all it is. Um, and, and the info doesn't go anywhere. Like it's anyway. just digits. It's, it stays um, within that pharmacy database. Correct. But, okay. Yeah, so it, it's, it is high tech, but it's not unreasonable. It's pretty obvious after... It's been explained. Sure, and and I guess too. Then from a from a um, a client perspective, it it's much more rigorous for them as well. Like they they would then almost um, act more appropriately in most instances. If if I can use that that example. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you know what we've been getting from uh, the pharmacies that have been fully utilizing this uh, feature is really. Um, you know, for patients, the, the key the key driver for them to be on the system is that they they have a reduced wait time within the pharmacy, and mm-hmm. they just get their dose a lot quicker. So, from a convenience factor, it plays a major major impact. Um, yes. I think you know there's enough rigorous dispensing protocols in place that you know when you're giving a particular patient that might have had a history of behavioural problems, you know the the system can flag them that you need to properly supervise this particular patient's dose. Mm -hmm. But then at that point as well, especially for locum pharmacists or part-time pharmacists that aren't working in a a particular pharmacy for, uh, you know, for whatever a long duration where they have trouble identifying patients, Mm -hmm. it's a lot of pressure for them to also be, um, you know, dispensing 20 methadone patients at once in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this system really automates a lot of that decision process and allows for them to go, okay, are you, you know, Michael, who's in front of me? Yep, great. I'm going to give you a dose. And it just automates that entire process as well. So the, so the time, there must be a time saving involved then, Max, is it? Quite significant time savings, yeah. Yeah. So especially if you're over um, 30 patients, mm-hmm. um, you know, you'd be saving about, uh, you know, 30 seconds up to two to three minutes, depending if you're coming from an electronic system over to our system. If it's a paper system um, coming onto our system, then for each patient search, you'll be saving about two to three minutes per patient. Okay. And it's similar, if I can add, it's quite similar to, as well before your time, uh, both Scott and Max, mm-hmm. is that you had a handwrite repeat forms at one stage. Okay. And I, I do remember writing it and sometimes when it's the writing a repeat form took longer than dispensing the medicine. And I remember when I was really busy, I was almost shaking with writing the repeat form, all the rubbish, you know, the yeah. name address. Uh, you know, if they had a, quite a few repeats, it was just awful. So this is a whole quantum change. 
Uh, and the other one, which we haven't got to, is the with the pharmacy board, you've got requirements as a proprietor pharmacy to double-check that all the systems are in place in a pharmacy. Mm-hmm. There are a reasonable number of what I'll call remote owners, so they're not managing that particular pharmacy, yep. but there is still an onus on them to make sure that the professional practice standards are kept up. And the obvious one, the one that I'm always sort of seem to be in the middle of, is that have they checked that there's a drug of addiction register? Register, yep. Yeah, be, uh, and it's someone has checked it every month, for instance. Mm-hmm. So is it has it regularly been checked? Now, this way you can do it remotely. Remotely. So it it just reduces the issues. It certainly is not to be seen by itself, mm-hmm. but it certainly does help with that. So, so Mark, if I if I said that back to you, then you're, you're, and you're right, I, I know quite a few pharmacists that are remote owners. <clears throat> you're saying that through this platform, uh, one or or several of their pharmacies could have this system in play, and they could be sitting in their place of residence, which is could be a hundred yeah. hundreds of kilometres away, uh, once a month, go in and actually check that this um, platform is working and that the audit audit system is up to date. Well, they really need to. They they have to by law. Mm-hmm. It's only. You only, this only becomes an issue when it's an issue. Yes. And th- then it becomes a serious issue. And uh, you usually would have to uh, defend yourself at a court of law or pharmacy board or whatever the state's instrumentality is yeah and and under the under the potential i'll say what what would be existing systems is that if you had to do that or if you were acting remotely you'd, you'd either have to go to the pharmacy and, and physically um, cite all of the logs and registers and or if you did end up in a court of law you'd actually have to produce all of that documentation or, or dispensing records effectively but that that then leads max back i guess back to you then so i, I i've understood that from the the, the pharmacist behind the counter, the, the, the clients come in, um, uh, had their uh, dispensing for the day. <clears throat> what happens next then? Because, it, again, it, it's obviously got to be more than that. You mentioned earlier on that this goes across a couple of the different fields. Yeah. So, you know, I think we spoke a lot about opioid replacement therapy um, and stage, stage supply but it also links into the drug register as well. But sorry, Scott, are you referring more towards the, the end-to-end process or are you talking about different? Well, well, but, well possibly both. So we'll, we'll cover both off. But yeah, end-to-end to start with because, again, something that you sent me showed me a significant time-saving because this does cover an end-to-end process. Um, and, yeah, and I know, you know how, how busy pharmacists that uh, I've um, been involved with are. Um, and, and if you can save a couple of minutes you know, per client every day, then that gives you some, you know, opens the door for some other things to be done. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, going back to, um, you know, a stage supply patient that might be coming in two to three times a week or, you know, alternatively an opioid replacement therapy patient. The time savings that we when we initially conducted a case study was quite interesting because um, what we found was that going through the paper records and actually finding their book alphabetically, if you've got more than 30 patients mm-hmm. uh, within your facility, there might be, you know, a number of mistakes that have come, you know, from an alphabetical system. The previous locum pharmacist that I was working the day before might have been in a rush and put that book in a different place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's just a million different ways in which, um, you know, paper records can be misfiled and mismanaged in, in that sense. So 
what this really does is really crystallize who's presenting themselves in front of a facility, um, gives you a huge amount of certainty that, that that's them in front of them. And on top of that, yes. you'd be clicking the face search going like, okay, cool, John. And if you're uncertain that the photo that's on file is actually them, you might be able to also ask them for another identifier. What's your birth date? Cool. Mm -hmm. All right. I know that this person's in front of me. And from that point, when you do click the dispense function within our software, it works out the drug register um, aspect of the compliance. So yes. obviously it um, does all that aspect. If it's on stage supply, it also works out your uh, medication adherence set schedule. So it can prompt the patient to actually sign off on each transaction, which is a seven CPA requirement. Mm -hmm. um, and then finally, at the end of each month, you just have to review all your patients. And as I mentioned before, it's, uh, we work out the mental arithmetic around which patients are your most fiscally valuable to claim against a seventh CPA. Because if you're running a program with like 20, you know, to 30 patients, you can only claim up to 15. So mm -hmm. then this works all that, that part out. And then, okay. of course, there's this auditing trail for seven years. So we've got an extensive backup system in place. So you know that um, you know you're not going to misplace any of these records as well. Yeah. So, yeah. so Mark, coming back to you then on that, then, then there was obviously a part of your input into here was actually getting the uh, the pharmacy board approval for this. No, I have to say it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, no. The uh, I've made sure it did happen, but no, uh, the team before me did it very professionally, and I haven't had to step in at all. Every question I had has been answered. Answered. So, so I wish I could take <laughs> credit, but no. Oh, that's excellent. All right. So then, Max, that comes back to, uh, we, we've spoken to the end-to-end -end process, but, yeah, let's talk about the scope um, that this platform could actually play in pharmacy and, and I think into other medical facilities associated with pharmacy. Yeah. So um, we've got a few exciting announcements coming up uh, later on this year. So obviously our ambitions within the community pharmacy is to really expand upon this automation mm -hmm. trend that we've got going on. So, um, you know, not just within uh, controlled drugs, but we've got other um, professional services that are coming up that is going to be quite exciting yes. to discuss, hopefully at a, at a future podcast with you, Scott. But yes. we've also got, um, you know, our own drug register coming out for aged care and for hospitals this year um, and actually um, at the end of this month. So um, we're, you know, we're very excited to be working with new partners in those verticals. And um, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot happening. Coming up and, and look, obviously some of that's still to be released, but um, I'm, I might just ask one layman's question. So if we were, if we were talking about a hospital or a... Um, aged care facility, are we suggesting then that the nurse or medical practitioner could have a, a handheld PDA and scan um, the patient's face in the bed? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, um, you know, we've got a very collaborative approach going into aged care and into hospitals with various partners. But yeah, mm -hmm. we see facial recognition um, to be a really key, key, um, key part of essentially a drug trolley uh, doing yep. drug rounds. Yep. And essentially, um, I guess a key question that might be for some of the listeners is, you know, what sort of hardware requirements, software requirements it takes to deploy our facial recognition engine. So essentially, it's just any webcam um, or any camera that mm -hmm. you have. And essentially, you can deploy our software on any type of hardware as long as it's 64-bit, which is 
pretty much all hardware these days. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we sort of see this really becoming a ubiquitous tool across um, aged care and hospitals around identifying patients and then, you know, administering uh, the medication. Yeah, so so on that basis then, because again, um, Mark, you know, obviously quite a few pharmacies do dispense to aged care facilities. I, I know that's, that's I'm, I'm not sure what percentage it is these days, but there was a period of time where a lot of pharmacies were dedicated to an aged care facility or a, even in some cases a hospital um, where, where that facility didn't have a, a dedicated um, dispensary. Does this then tie back to that client's... Um, uh, file filed in the dispensing platform. Uh, yeah, just, just uh, be, I'll just slightly correct you. That's the, right. uh, yeah, in a nursing home or aged care facility, yep. uh, I don't believe that there's any pharmacy anywhere that that has embedded pharmacist. Okay. Uh, whereas hospital obviously does. All, yep. all the majors do, and many of the privates do. Okay. The if we. What's happened now is the Royal Commission, everything's sort of under review and dramatically, mm -hmm. and it's probably sped up things as quickly as COVID has for normal IT. So if I can say what the sort of the ultimate is, uh, that the what um, the pharmacist's role in medication management is basically to help make sure that the right patient gets the right medicine at the right time. Yes. So that's their role. And so you've got supply, which we'll go through in a sec, and then you've got now something that's that's been mandated from the 1st of January next year because of the Royal Commission, Commission. which yep. the government has agreed to, which is medication reviews um, in the aged care facilities, RMMRs. Okay. So that'll happen. The the supply side what we're aiming for and you you should see it this year is that to make sure that the that the patient does get the right medication at the right time and you can use facial recognition for that okay so we'll and we'll be then coordinating it with the supply pharmacist in in normal pharmacy, normal community pharmacy. pharmacy. So it's so, our job to put it to make it all integrated. Integrated, yeah. So now I, I noticed, I think it was on your website or one of your documents that you're currently integrated with Fred Dispense. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So so in effect, again, if I if I can use this as an example, Mark, then <clears throat> if a pharmacist was doing a um, uh, RMMR or or in actual fact in the future a, a HMMR. Um, they could be using facial recognition for that home medication management review as well. Uh, they can. Uh, it probably wouldn't save too much time okay. to double check which patient, but where where it should come, and this will be, I would suggest, probably more next year than this year, is that the the all the RMMR uh, data will be accessible. Uh, yes. To both the supply pharmacist and the RMR uh, pharmacist, so, so okay. there'll be a lot more integration there. But there, you've got a lot of privacy issues. Yes, the technical side. Sorry, Max. Yeah. Sorry, um, what what I was just really wanting to highlight the benefit of these sort of processes is that um, you know really you've got 
huge amount of pressure um, coming from a lot of different areas yeah. at the moment on pharmacists. So really what we see our role playing is, you know, ensuring that we facilitate and ensure that technology is there to support uh, the ability to achieve these KPIs. Mm -hmm. And so with RMMRs and the way that they're currently being conducted, it's still a massively manual process. Yeah. So we've discussed a little bit about facial recognitions around the community pharmacy space, but the way that we see this really happening within aged care is as you've been alluding to Scott, integrating into dispensing software as Marcus has been also alluding to with RMMRs and making sure that that data is there, mm -hmm. really making sure that that double entry across different facilities is not happening mm -hmm. and really facilitating uh, the service pharmacy, RMMR pharmacist, prescribers and aged care facilities to be working um, cohesively together yes. and yeah. just automating the RMMR process so that a lot more essentially can be conducted throughout the year. The the hidden agenda there is that the the government has a has agreed to have RMMRs in aged care. Yes. And at the moment the whole process is not at all integrated. Yeah. It's totally silo based mm. and that obviously has to be addressed. Uh so we think we've got some technical solutions for that. For that going forward, no. Look, I, I'm I'm very excited about this because, um, um, and and thank you very much, Mark, for the compliment uh, earlier on for my age. But I am probably older than I look, and uh, and I'm looking forward to you know one day in the in the in the distant future when I, when I am in the aged care facility that the, the technology at play, um, you know, is is quite exciting. And uh, and I think you know uh, I'll only use this word once, but you know the the whole uh, COVID environment at the moment is driving a significant amount of change. Um, and, and and focus away from I'm not saying non-essential areas I think some of the things that we have been focusing on in the past has been critical potentially around professionalism and, and culturally important but sometimes they've been done at, at the detriment of just getting some really good tech platforms up and running and that's what I'm kind of so excited about with this then so and again um, you mentioned um, Max, so four hundred pharmacies on the platform today. So that's that's a significant chunk of, uh, of pharmacies that are are obviously going, and, and you've obviously got some in the pipeline coming forward. But but this is then a two stage approach. It's it's getting more pharmacies on the platform from a stage one perspective. But then those pharmacies that are on now are then going to actually head into potentially a, another module of this in in the aged care facilities. That's yeah, that's correct, Scott. So you know. Um, you know, really the aim of the game is two things, consolidation and automation. And that's what yeah. we hope to achieve um, with what we do um, within community pharmacies. I think another reason why we've had so many people interested in joining us is that not only is our products today, I think, you know, um, you know, the, the strongest critic, critics might say we're marginally better than what's currently out there, but um, you know, really, what people are doing when they switch over to our platform is the vision they're buying into the vision of what we're building in the future and we build yes. very quickly um for all of these various tools so if you look at our company timeline very quickly scott sorry it's a small tangent but 2019 yeah. we released our opioid replacement therapy module 2020 yes. we did our controlled drug register stage supply modules, and we completely rebuild our ORT program from the ground up. Mm -hmm. And this year in 2021, we've got Edgecone hospitals coming out. So the momentum behind us 
is massive. And, you know, I think that's what's getting these pharmacies very excited to come on board. And, you know, we, you know, we hope that, uh, you know, not just in aged care, but we also address fundamental problems around medication management, around yes. polypharmacy. Yep. Um, ultimately, one thing I forgot to mention at the beginning, but, you know, the company's ultimate vision is to eliminate adverse drug events, which is correct. a huge, huge problem to be tackling with many variables. So, yes. um, you know, generation generation one is this platform, but generation two will be the, the AI analytics side. So, yeah, yeah. That's exactly it, Scott. Yeah, and I think that's the two the two key points that I've taken away from today is that one, it's to um, uh, reduce adverse interactions, um, so really kind of pull that into a very tight regime. But more importantly, um, any technology platform coming into any business, but we're, we're talking specifically about pharmacy here, should be aimed at actually um, taking a, a, a chunk of burden away from the, the very busy pharmacists that we've got today. And and I think that's, if, if anything, a pharmacist going forward should have um, the challenge of, well, which platform do I take? Not, uh, you know, no, I'm not going to do this one because I'm happy still writing things into, into an exercise book as such. That's exactly it. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think um, we try to make the, the um, onboarding process as painless as possible Possible. as well, but there's always a lot of work to do there. Yeah. So with, with your, your current um, clients and clients coming on board this year, is it um, across the Eastern Seaboard or are you, spread, are you spread right across the nation at this stage? How far have you gone? Um, Quite a lot on the eastern side. Um, we're hoping to be moving a little, little bit more in the west. We mm-hmm. do have a few pharmacies um, up up on the western coast, but mm-hmm. uh, you know we hope to be making more traction in regards to that very soon. Very soon as well. No worries. Yeah. And, and yeah. gentlemen, I, I guess we're coming to the end of our time, but we've still got a little bit of opportunity to chat. Is there anything from your perspective that we haven't covered off so far today? Well, I'm very excited about where the facial recognition will be used in such places as aged care, yeah. which I haven't had a chance to really explain. And it's more longer term, but uh, you could say that there's also the, the there can be change in facial expressions, especially over time. Yeah. So uh, you might find that it can uh, you can use these uh, facial recognition programs to uh, aid in diagnosis of different conditions. Okay. And uh, we've been working on that uh, with university clinical trials, but it's way, way too early to see where it's going. But I will guarantee that something's going to happen and it'll be very unexpected, you know, even to us. But uh, yeah. we don't know where that's going yet. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is that at some stage into the future, there could be an algorithm within the system that um, scans my face and picks up a difference that wasn't there a week ago or a month ago. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. The the classic, which we're not we're not claiming to be doing at all, but the, I was involved with a program that was looking at stroke, trying to work mm-hmm. out when a stroke particularly happened. Yep. Again, it's just a theory at the moment, but if someone has a a stroke in a nursing home and there's manifestations in facial expression, it might be the tracking backwards. You can see when the person did not have the stroke. So I'm trying to be careful not saying it's a diagnosis. At no, all, no, no, no. But it just might be something that gives someone an indication of what's going on. So uh, that that's just quite exciting. Uh, again, it's used with a lot of other things, but uh, 
uh, things will come out of that that we don't, we don't expect. Yeah, That's no. a type of thing. Yeah, got it. Well, very, very futuristic. Yeah, Max? Yeah, well, look, one project that we can, you know, we're happy to talk about um, and it's it's with our clinical research that's currently happening in London with the Chelsea Westminster Hospital. So with that particular clinical trial, what we're doing is tracking uh, facial biomarkers for dementia-related diseases. Mm -hmm. um, so we're looking at, for example, uh, vascular dementia and its, uh, and its progression. So the hypothesis is really as that disease progresses, um, it really inhibits the use of uh, uh, facial muscles. And of course, we correlate those differences between a healthy subject and a, for right now, severe subject. We correlate those two differences um, towards you know, MRI scans, blood tests, psychometric assessments to mm -hmm. see if there's any correlation. So as Mark mentioned, it's a bit too early to really comment on those clinical trials. But yeah. you can really see the way that, um, you know, the, the potential impact if this was successful, what it could potentially have on, uh, on the healthcare system. Yeah, no, excellent. That's great. Gentlemen, that's been great to chat today. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to do that. I'm, I think that there's going to be some other episodes come out of this into the future, so we're going to stay in touch. Um, in terms of uh, getting in contact, if anyone's listening today and wants a little bit more information, uh, I've obviously mentioned we'll, we'll connect uh, both of your LinkedIn profiles and your Strongroom AI website. Um, is that the best opportunity for people to, to touch base? Absolutely. Um, yeah, we're very active on LinkedIn, so just get in touch with us there. Do it that way. All right. Gentlemen, thanks for your time today. It's been great to chat. Thank you very much, Scott. Thank you, Scott. Much appreciated.